Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Seattle, the show of Oaxaca, the show of drinking Tobla at my house out of Gourds. It's an amazing conversation, this time with former Vox Table and Roosevelt Room cocktail enthusiast, mixologist, whatever you want to call it, Ashley Hauserman. It's a great story. It involves Canada. I always like talking about Canada. It involves capitalism. It's nice talking about capitalism, especially with the Canadian this is a story about traveling, loving, seeing new places, and doing new things. We catch Ashley just before the next chapter starts in New York City. Seattle, Austin, New York City. We'll see if she heads back to Texas, but it's great to catch her right before she leaves and see what kind of impact she leaves on the Big Apple. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Ashley Hausman. Fiji Bay, it's a Oaxacan village version of like a salute, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Well, thank you so much for bringing me to talk. It's Absolutely. weird because it's like, well, what, what should I do? Should I do a radio, inter- you know, radio, radio intro? You know, Ashley from the <laughs> Roosevelt Room. Like, the, all that shit's <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, we're just talking. Like, I just want to get to know you, and I think that people want to get to know you, and that's really all. How that kind of know. blows my mind a little bit. but anyway. What? Wait, which part? But I, I'm not sure. I think the fact that I'm even here, like just doing an interview with you, I just why? I, I don't know. That? I think because I I try. I do everything I can to stay humble and and stay the new kid and yeah. stay under the radar. Well, you get older. That's an inevitability. So you can't be Nuh-uh. new forever. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Men and people outside of this room get older. You know, it's just this thing that happens. Right. We get grayer. We get fatter. Like all of this stuff. You know. But it's okay. I think that people want to know, and maybe it's pompous of me to think that people actually give a shit about people, but I think we do. It's like, this is a big community, so why not just dive in and kind of get to know each other? I mean, I'll I'll be the first to admit, I've definitely checked out the interviews and been like, oh my gosh, like I was actually really curious to know about this person and like what this guy did and where this guy comes from. marketing research paid (laughs) off so well. For sure. I didn't pay for it, but (laughs) it was good. It was good. You know, like I'll put it this way. Because I don't like talking about myself, and I won't. <laughs> but what's been nice mm-hmm. is I found so much in common with everybody. They have very similar Genesis stories. They have very similar pre-hospitality stories. I was on tour playing bass. Omar was a tour manager. Like, I just released <laughs> that one this week. I mean, it's like we're so similar, and so why not embrace it instead of just like stand, being standoffish about it Yeah, or just not exploring it? At yeah. all, you know. And I think especially when you're sort of in this um in this arena of of the beverage service, yeah. everyone is always trying to figure out how to be more professional and and how to like yeah. stick to how to stick to the beverage and how to stick to spirits. Right. That we sometimes sort of ignore the fact that we're actually people outside of 
of bartenders and craft spirits and things like that? It's more than the role. Yeah. The world is a stage, yes, but when we get home, who are we? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a really strange thing is like, it's it's nice being in the distillery part of it, the mm-hmm. distillation part, because you can just be a dude. Yeah. You know, it's like, no one expects a distiller to have like a very charismatic personality and not saying that I do at all but like for the bar you have to be on yeah you know does it get tiring at all uh for me do you think yeah I mean no it doesn't but I feel like I've kind of been a I've been an outgoing kind of uh performer my entire life yeah you know it's something I think that when you're naturally good at talking to people and and you want to laugh and you want to be lighthearted and all of Mm -hmm. that you naturally sort of um move, move into fields like that yeah. yeah so man it's like what should i talk about should i talk about oaxaca should i talk about this tola which we'll talk about in a second <laughs> should we talk about the, the future but i suspect that and we'll go even earlier than that that you were you you know you talked about radio a little bit as as a younger were you in drama were you in performance arts as they say uh i think uh, the first time that I ever sort of felt like I was on stage uh, was when I was still growing up in Canada. Yeah. Because you were bo- Canadian. I was born and raised in northern Ontario. Ontario yeah. is a brilliant place. It's a cool spot. I was. Yeah. Uh, I lived in a village. I lived outside of a village. Wait, a village? Yeah. <laughs> so you know how white the West, the white Westerners from Texas think about right. village? Oh, God, those villages. Yeah. Do they even have running water? Like, <laughs> So tell me what a Canadian village. I mean, for most village. parts of the year we did. <laughs> <laughs> what is a Canadian village like? I mean, what is that? So, like? uh, so when people kind of think of a village, it's it, it might not be what they're suspecting. I'm from like <clears throat> uh, Vermilion Bay was the name of the village Ver- that Vermilion, I Vermilion. Okay, Vermilion okay. Bay was the name of the village that I grew up in. There was um, a school that did like like pre K through eighth grade, and so okay. that's where all of like us kids went to school. Um, it was surrounded by a bunch of um, like Indian reservations really? who had their own schools. So my school was very, very small, and yeah. it was it was like predominantly like white kids and and like some sort of mix, I guess you know, uh, like we went to school with some natives and stuff like that. Did, uh, did the natives who had the reservations nearby did they typically go to I guess what what might be public schools or did they stick to the reservations? There was both. Both. Yeah, okay. because sometimes the families moved into the village, like into the yeah away yeah, from yeah. the reservation, but um. For the most part, Vermilion Bay is a bunch of fishing resorts yeah. um, on the lakes. And so my parents owned a fishing resort called Bear Trail Lodge. Really? Yeah, that my Oma and Opa had um, built. Opa. So, yeah, my, my father's from Germany. Yeah. My mom's from the United States. Where was she from? Uh, she's from Wisconsin, which no is shit. where I eventually... Close. Yeah, when my parents decided to not be married anymore, that's where I went to high school. Interesting. So northern ontario is that fair yeah northern ontario it could be eastern where it hits the water i really don't know <laughs> geography lesson i don't particularly know did you work did you end up working on the, the fishing absolutely it yeah. was it was absolutely a family affair we all had to so there was um like 13 cabins um a dock a fish boat all of that we lived in the lodge the lodge had a restaurant um oh, wow. in the bottom part of it and so that's when i first started kind of performing was yeah. to be the camp owner's daughter and to be like a part Did of the Did he call camp. you out as such? Like, yeah. This is oh, my yeah. camp. This is the camp. He refers to himself a third person, my. I guess. Like, here's the, <laughs> the camp owner's daughter. Wait, Bill, aren't you the camp owner? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, actually, my, my mom uh, wrote a little song 
about being a camp owner's daughter because she was one too. Yeah. Yeah. And no so, kidding. Yeah. In Wisconsin? Uh, no, back in Ontario. Interesting. Yeah, because wow. uh, her, I mean, my grandmother and my grandfather who um, live in Wisconsin now mm. and they raised my mom there, by the time my mom was in her 20s, had moved to Ontario and started their own fishing resort. Wow. And then they hired my father to build cabins, which was how he met my mother. Oh, shit. Yeah. So in the state still, though, at this point, right? In Ontario. Oh, in Ontario. So I keep yeah. thinking, man, all the fishing, it's so hard because it's All so the fishing close. resorts happen in Ontario. <laughs> it seems like an easy place to go if you're a white and from Detroit, right? Because <laughs> I lived in Detroit for a while. Mm-hmm. All My parents took some a couple uh, weekend vacations up to Ontario. I went to Detroit every winter because we used to go on tour. We did the sports show tours. Yeah, okay. Because in the village and in the middle of winter, everything shut down. Yeah. And people would have to go like live on the lodges and like stock up. And the only way to get in and out was on like uh, snow machines. Oh, shit. Right? Okay. Yeah. So my parents just decided to skip all that stuff. And they would take us on tour and they would hire like an au pair, like a, uh-huh. like yeah, a nanny. Yeah, yeah. And she would be our like homeschooler while my parents did a tour of sports shows throughout the Midwest. Wow, so yeah, I was, I was, in, I was did- in Detroit every year. No, it's does uh, I mean, and fishing is a sport. Don't you know? I'm not mm-hmm. integrating it. Mm-hmm. But was that the sport that they were kind of like going? Sport and- shows just mean like sport and game fishing and things like that. Yeah. I see. Yeah, it was just yeah. It's how Americans kick it. In yeah, we're kind of we're kind of basic. As I scratch my head, I'm kind of just like <laughs> perplexed look on my head. Uh, but, but, but you know, we are. We, no offense. It was hysterical. Yeah. It, it was hysterical for me because as a Canadian, um, I didn't really hang out with a lot of Canadians. Living in Canada, I had really? a different batch of Americans to hang out with. Once Are we a week. Da- we're okay, right? Oh, totally. As, I, a, as the, the, I, the I'm, I'm as Americanized as anyone else, right? <laughs> I feel like you know the one, the one memory or the one thing that I realized about Canada. I went up to Montreal some years ago. Mm-hmm. We're driving, took a long road trip. It's wonderful, beautiful, we're going through northern New York and everything. And uh, we turn on the radio. You guys. Sorry, and again, you're the resident expert for Canada now. Just between Uh-oh. the two of us, no pressure. I'm the resident expert for guys that can't, that don't want to shave, and you are for Canada, like the diplomat right now. But you guys, I'm sorry, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, like, talk about shit. It's really, really enlightening. Like, oh, good. oh, we don't like the way the libraries are coded. It was every layer. It was a a very good structured intellectual conversation about things policy politics just local council stuff and uh do you feel like all right again being on the hook as a canadian <laughs> we're different aren't we american it's it's a different kind of culture. it is yeah, yeah what, it, it, you, it, it values different things if you could tweet it what might you say is the biggest difference between you and I? Because there's, I mean, there's actually a literal line across this floor, right? No, now. I see it. It's very, it's very distinct. <laughs> I see it right there. I can't go back. I don't have my passport on me, so I can't go over there. But there is, right? There's a big difference. There, there is a difference. And I think, um, if I could sum it up, I think it has everything to do with advertising. Really? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think... Advertising. Advertising. A- advertising is everywhere in the United do States. Do you want a Coke and- while we're at? I've got some Cokes over here, some Pepsis as well. Oh, no, 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 I'm... I'm- the mezcal is all I good, know good. about. Okay. Well, no ad agency <laughs> has taken on mezcal yet, but they will. <laughs> but, they will. So, but yeah, so advertising. What about yeah. it, though? Uh, I just, I mean, I feel like everywhere you walk around in the United States, it's it's always, not that it's a capitalism thing, yeah. but that everything is being sold. And like, yeah. in terms of like the radio, like the radio that we listen to is constantly being oh sold. Oh my God, it's horrible. And every, everything is an advertisement. Everything is a commercial. Everything is a way to spend your money on. And I feel like Canada, even though, you know, there's a capitalism in Canada. Yeah. It's not our primary goal. It's not 
it's not what everybody's out to do. It's not the, the mighty end all be dollar. All. Is it, not. it has so much more to do with your lifestyle. Yeah. And kind of how to better better the things around you, be it like your life at the local level or your life at the national level. Is there a big sense of community, you think, for communities? I think there is, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Is it very province from to province? I think it's very shared. Yeah. I, I mean, very nationalistic. I right, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I actually haven't been back to Ontario in many years. How come? Um, uh, I mean, I have some family there still. My aunt still lives there and my yeah. cousins are there. Uh, a lot of my friends from the village have since moved on and they live in different parts in Canada. Yeah. Uh, my father lives in Winnipeg, Manitoba now. Okay. So when you know when I when see did, him, yeah, when did they s- split? And when I was be blunt about it, when you were ten. When okay. I was ten was when uh, my parents finally. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a little brother. He's little eighteen brother? months younger than I am. Oh, not so very we're much, very then. we're very close in age. Yeah, couldn't be any more different though. <laughs> Is he really like tall and into uh, the stock market? He's very all American boy. <laughs> he actually he's a Marine. Oh, I'm okay. so proud of him. Very good. Yeah, very proud of him. He's done a lot of amazing things. He actually lives in Yuma, Arizona. Yuma. Yeah. Yeah, I used to live in Arizona. Did Yuma? you? Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm the same joke. I really did. Oh, and That's you've great. been to Yuma. I've been to Yuma. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Spent a month one night <laughs> in Yuma. <laughs> I spent a couple days there, and I was like, "Wow, you want to be here? I'm, you I'm very impressed." Have to want to be in Yeah, Yuma. it was way too hot for me, and I mean, I live in I live in Austin. But it's now. a dry heat, Ashley. What are you talking? I about? don't understand this whole dry, wet heat thing. It's all heat. It all makes me burn. <laughs> I am equally you displeasured. Yeah, like you can't walk around barefoot. I don't care how you sell it to me. Mm. It hurts Mm-mm. both ways. Mm-mm. <laughs> so he used to live out, live out. In he Arizona? does. Yeah. yeah. No, and he's got this great girlfriend. Um. And I just see him having a very, uh, a very classic life. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, he, everything is really, he has his goals set out, really mm-hmm. defined. He works really hard. Um, and I'm really, really proud of him. We just live very different lives. Yeah. I'm definitely a little bit more, a little bit more the gypsy. Yeah. Um, I want to go kind of do some more spontaneous things. So when do you say you ended up heading into high school in Detroit? Oh, no, no. We went to high school in Wisconsin. Oh, so, oh sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. See, yeah. this it is was... what happened. You bring the mezcal. Uh, and so my, my all the dates <laughs> and all the facts, they get awry. I mean, we're, we're very close. Detroit, <laughs> Wisconsin. I'm within a 5,000-mile yeah. radius of... Give or take. Give or take. <laughs> was it a big, kind of like a jolt of culture? Oh, you're going to love this. Yeah. Yeah, it was a jolt of culture. Um, so when we grew up, my dad was an atheist. Okay. And so my sure. brother and I um, were Would raised... Would your mom an atheist? My well? mother was a closet a closet Protestant. We all are. Right? <laughs> that at the end of the day, like, I think that's maybe the right thing to do. What do you think? Like, yeah. So, I mean, my, my dad was... Um, my dad had some demons. And so everything what, was Wait, very, I mean, I have to ask. What does that mean? He had a gambling habit. He was a drinker. Uh, it was it was just really dark. Yeah, he yeah. drank a lot, and he yeah. had he had a hell of a temper, and didn't really know how to control it a lot. What a being from Winnipeg, you said, right? Uh, he lives in Winnipeg now. He was originally from Germany. Oh, Germany. Okay. Yeah, back okay. in outside. I get Stuttgart. it. Last name. I get it. Hauserman. Yeah, it's all yeah. coming. Blue eyes. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Hey, you're not gonna kick me out of this room, are you? And try to dic- dictator me around. Oh, it's already happening. Don't worry. Felt, <laughs> I felt. I felt as such. <clears throat> all right. I'm well, glad we could joke the, about uh, this now. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. So what, it was different. It was, it was different, yeah. So my dad had a really, uh, really strict way of, um, sort of life and what his views were and how we were all going to, like, go along with that. My mom, of course, um, had really different views, but she, I mean, she had her own demons too. She had a little bit of a drinking problem. Yeah. Um, and they both have since now, you know, become, 
really amazing people and, and have faced their demons and, and so forth. But, um, yeah, my mom uh, finally decided that it was time to, to split up and grab a divorce. And so... You're 10, 10 years old? I was 10 years yeah. old. My brother was 8. And uh, my mom um, packed us up uh, into a U-Haul with my grandparents. Um, they were there, and my dad uh, had to stay behind. Um, it was Still running the... The lodge with cabins or whatnot. He kept the he kept the camp. My mom kept the kids, right? Gotcha. It was sort of how it. In Man, the end isn't out. that symbolic though? Because it's like the guys. I mean, did was he fighting for it? Was he fighting for the kids? You know, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of details. I'm sure um, yeah. with all of that. And I was so young. I have a lot of memories about the stuff that happened. Yeah. you know. But uh, overall, but is it, eh, or is it pretty good? He and I uh, don't have the greatest relationship anymore, yeah. but it's. I mean, we've we've tried working on it, and well, I'm Germans sure and we Canadians will. have a very ill-fated relationship. From what I've, <laughs> I've read a couple books, and uh, apparently, it's not very very compatible. I don't know that, but it could be. Uh, well, I mean, my I have some family that's still in Germany, but honestly, I have family in South America, or I'm sorry, South Africa, yeah, and um, and all across the world, and I think it's because there's definitely a generation of Germans that had some dark, dark stuff happen yeah. and scattered, if, right? If, if so. Family Guy told me anything, it's that <laughs> <laughs> repression is an amazing tool. Right. A very amazing tool. Right. So you're doing the high school thing. You're so in yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah. Came Are down. you listening to the replacements? I know they've been broken up by then. but <laughs> <laughs> At 10 years old, I wasn't listening to the replacements. But uh, my mom did have the amazing idea that uh, moving to America, that we should probably go to school with our cousins. Oh, I like that. Uh, who good. were in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, and that sounded like a fantastic idea, except for the fact that they were enrolled in the uh, St. Jo- uh, Joseph's Catholic Academy. Oh. That's where the O wow. comes Wow, how does in. the Protestant come to terms with Catholic? Oh, that wasn't even it's the tough. problem. She's, <laughs> I mean, she had her own world going on. Yeah. But you do not know alienation like the girl who walks into a Catholic school and says, Jesus who? It was Wait, who, awful. Jesus who? I had no idea what they were talking about. Oh, my God. I had no idea. Yeah. It wasn't that I had no idea. I had heard stories, but it's like, sure, it's the same way that you listen to like fairy tales or or things like that. And I was he Hansel or Gretel? I, I don't know which one. It was. It, I shook my head because we started. Ah, man, I don't. I, I get flustered even talking about like that sort of so, year of my it, life because it was really, really difficult for me. Because like, do you have all these white Wisconsinites? Yeah, I'm gonna call them Wisconsinites yeah. that are like, wait, 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 wait. Where's your heart at? You haven't let him into your heart. Oh, yeah, no, that conversation happened quite a bit. Oh, my God. Quite a bit. So what do you do? Do you study up? Do you buddy up with the kids? Like, I couldn't you- I couldn't buddy up with the kids. The kids were all rich kids who could afford to go to that school. Yeah. My mother and I cleaned toilets there so that I could go to that school. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I had nothing in common. It felt like I had nothing in common with the kids that went there. Yeah. Um. And so to be the girl that I was in Canada where... I would put on little shows at like the restaurant yeah. and I would, I mean, I felt like a really well-adjusted kid and everything. And then I moved to the United States after this crazy divorce and I felt like such an outsider and I was such a weirdo. And uh, I mean, it took me a couple of years. I finally made some friends and, and got accustomed to, to life, uh, this new life as it was. And yeah. then I started in public high school and by then I felt like I had already, I had already created this shell and, and created this sort of like, the like, persona figured out my personality yeah i had already yeah. i had sort of come into my own at that point so and was it a uh, public high school or it was still? a public high school okay yeah how long were you doing the private catholic school four years, four years. fifth through eighth 
Fuck. Yeah, no, and yeah. but I mean, looking back, I talk about it poorly now. But honestly, uh, my mom that was that was when she was in the thick of her of her alcoholism. Yeah, and it was uh, even though my grandparents were there, it mm-hmm. was really it was really my mother, my brother, and I who had to battle that. Yeah, and since she was not um, really capable, right? Uh, I really it really fell on me quite a bit, and so I I thank God now for that school mm-hmm. um, for coming into my life because uh, even though I didn't understand um, the religion part of it, I definitely understood that I had a lot of support and a lot of people who were willing to reach out and, yeah. and give me money, give me food, give me support, um, anything that I needed to get through what I was going through. That's pretty good. I mean, yeah. pretty easy, even though it's only three to four years when you're talking about it. Was it was four but... years. Sister Claudine Balio, I will never forget that name and I will never forget her face. And good or bad? A little bit of both. <laughs> Love her dearly in my heart now, but yes. there was up and ups and downs. Interesting. So, was it? I think about the reasons that drive us to drink. All of us. Okay. Um, I don't know what it is for me. Sometimes it's hard. It gets blurred. But was that just something that was inevitably going to happen because of genetics, or was it something like, man, I'm having to move to the states. I'm divorced. I've got two kids. But luckily, your grandparents, your grandparents were around and stuff. Like, what, what do you think really kind of made it that dark? Uh, my mother's alcoholism started long before she ever met my father. Oh, okay. Uh, it was something that she had battled with as a young adult. Yeah. Uh, it's something that more family members um, of mine battle with. Mm. Uh, so I think a lot of it is genetic. Sure. Um, uh, I mean, I think a large portion of that of it is that. But then that that disease leads them into life choices that yeah. put them at risk for, for going even deeper and darker. Absolutely. And thankfully, when my mother left Canada was when things started to clear um, because I feel like my dad sometimes was a, was a lot of an enabler for my mother. And I'm not making excuses, but I think no, they both were very alcoholic. And, well, love, love, love being a justification is so easy. Love right. is such a strong word. It is. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, tolerance is a, even. Right, right. It's still fractional. Part, part, partnership, I think. Yes, partnership. Yes. Hey, partnership partner- can be We're very partners. Difficult. Hey, all right, I'll drink to that. I'll drink to that. Yeah. You know? But it, no, you're right because, you know, and I haven't talked about this team too much about uh, my mom's parents and stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, we all stem from very dysfunctional alcoholics and it is something that happens. It is something that guides us down paths that we shouldn't go down. But at the end of the day, it seems like you've done a pretty good job of succumbing it, or rather uh, surmounting it. And you're positive, you're light, you're intelligent, you know. So it's like one of those things that, yeah, it formed me. It was the, you know, the uh, the wind to shape the rock, the water, all that <laughs> bullshit. But like you're here, right? I do feel like it. it you showed up on time. Think about that. That's a, <laughs> that's a huge thing, right? So yes. So that aside, but high school, Wisconsin public school. I imagine was it more free? Did you feel a little bit more open socially? And oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really did. My at that point, uh, my mother was starting to um, really get a lot better. Yeah. Um, I I was always a really good student. Uh, I was always really good with math and and test taking and things mm-hmm. like that. I, I think that still follows with me as an adult. Um, I love to study, so I did wait, really. Wait, wait, wait. I, I really did. You love to study. I I do love to study. I, Get out of I'm here! I'm such a I'm a nerd. Oh, <laughs> shush. Is it the glasses that make you a nerd? 
Or a little is bit. It like- it's like 50% glasses. Absolutely. <laughs> The glasses do I'll a lot. I'm gonna go put some glasses. Yeah. And then Don't we'll worry. Nerd, I'm, we'll I'm, nerd I'm, it out. I'm just gonna get like 50% smarter really fast. <laughs> y- y'all just hold your horses. I'm just a I'm just a small town chicken lawyer. Like I, I don't got anything. So, but what kind of things? So math works. Obviously, you're probably doing pretty good academic stuff. Yeah. Did you find that like you really took to a particular subject? Maybe it was math, but science too. I kind of almost feel like I was mostly math for me. But that was the other thing is that in high school I sort of did this. Uh, um, I did this double life kind of thing uh, where I was really I was really good at studying and I was really good at maintaining high grades yeah. uh, and things like that. But in reality, I was actually doing a lot of partying. And what did uh, partying mean in Wisconsin? And what, are we talking the early two thousands or the nineties? Uh, I went to high school from two thousand to two thousand five, <sighs> so I graduated in 05. Yeah, I feel pretty old. But yeah, sorry about that. I'll, I'm, I'm gonna kidding. recover. I'm recovering. <laughs> what is yeah? What is a weekend party like in Wisconsin? I mean, uh, in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. Um, just north of Eau Claire. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a small town. It's the biggest one in the in the county. Okay. So I had a lot of people coming in and out. Um, but I mean, since my mom wasn't necessarily a hundred percent on the whole parenting sure. thing, working working kind of, I kind of, right? I kind of got away with murder. Yeah, <laughs> and so I had a big. I mean, I had a big party house. I had a lot of people who'd stay with me a lot of times. Um, I hung around with a lot of older kids. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of drinking. And there was like a lot of drugs and stuff like that. Of too. course, I mean, I mean, this is. I was in high like, school. Hey, how much drugs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it happens, right? But yeah. do, you, do you feel like it was a good experience at least? Because it seems like you've got some nice balance that you're striking between being academically successful, if mm-hmm. you will, and then having a very rich social life. Is and that I, is that fair? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I just don't think that I. I mean, I made a lot of weird, poor decisions. Uh, that I could probably look back on and be like, well, you know, <laughs> if I could do it again, like that might not happen. Yeah, but we all do that. You know? Yeah. It's like, well, if I'd only not gotten married that first time. Oh, I'm like struggling. There's some insight. I'm, I'm like kind of struggling with how honest to be about this. But like, yeah, there was there was definitely one year where things got so bad that I was actually, uh, I was hospitalized. Um, for what? For 28 days. With, uh, in a, yeah. Been around it, been in yeah. all of it. Were you sad? Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. it a guy? No, 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 no. It was, it was, it was drugs. It yeah. was drugs, and I got out of control. What can? And, what, uh, what do you like at that point? Like, what do you? I mean, I'm, I hate to reduce Wisconsin's insight into drug <laughs> culture, but like, what does Wisconsin get into? We got Plano, man. They got heroin problems. You know? Um. Do you is know how? Was, do you know how bored people are in Wisconsin? We get our hands on all kinds of crazy stuff. I do now. Just yeah. from that comment, I, I definitely. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. What was like? It, was it sheer boredom you think no no no. it was it was lack of it was lack of parental guidance and, gotcha. and the fact that i had i mean i just i got away with a lot um yeah. i was uh i talked like i was a lot older i looked like i was a lot older because you're smart right you can get away with some shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like to think i'm charming i can charm my way into it now yeah but if stuff. you weren't smart you couldn't be charming sure. charming is predicated on intelligence I'll take it. It is. It totally is. <laughs> so tw- you said 22 days, 28 days? 28 days. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was an inpatient program in Chippewa Falls. How, yeah. how, was it a a moment in which you're like, man, maybe I'll reevaluate stuff? Or? Yeah, because I feel like it wasn't so much like the the actual substance abuse that landed me there so much as it was depression and just right, like right. dealing with just a lot of like just mental health stuff that yeah. that arose from just too much responsibility, 
not enough support, not right. enough guidance, me just making real poor decisions. Well, what do you do? Where do you life? go, right? Yeah. Like, how do you have that strong figure that just like puts their foot down and says mm-hmm. like, you can't do this shit. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, where 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 are you to go? It's yeah. like just this freeform painting otherwise. And you're going to find your own outlet. And I, I, I feel like I was that for myself as much as I could be. But then when yeah. it faltered, it faltered hard, you know, you like. Can't, you can only be so strong, you know. Yeah. It's like it, it helps to have people come in and be like, dude, you're being a dick. Like that's <laughs> yeah, that's happened to me. And it's like, hey, you know what, man? I trust you. You're probably right, you know. But you get out of this. Obviously, the, it, did it continue? Did you still have these kind of feelings of depression and darkness and all that? Darkness is a strong word, but. I mean, it's it's a valid word. Um, I've actually, yeah, I've struggled with depression Um I mean, around that that time is when it developed. Yeah, my how, depression. How old were you when you talking? Uh, when I went in. Yeah, I was fourteen. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think I was almost fifteen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and I've still had issues with depression as as an adult, like yeah. in and out. And I feel like it's something that definitely ran in my family. Um, a lot of my family is like medicated for it. Mm-hmm. I personally choose to to um just have a healthy diet and exercise and and right. figure out how to live a healthy lifestyle, which is really important not only for maybe what is a predilection towards depression but just in general in this industry yeah like oh especially healthy, in this industry are you oh, kidding man. me the amount of depressants we put down our mouths every oh day gosh. is ridiculous it's, it's just you have it to works with everything you know? <laughs> no you have to the, the hours that you put in and the the amount of people that you you work with the amount of problems that you hear about and the the amount of stress that happens mm. you have to um I think we all counsel each other to a degree. I think counseling is a big deal when you're dealing with things like like mental health, but definitely um, taking care of your body. It's true, but don't do you not think? And this is one of the things that that I've kind of learned through these interviews and things mm-hmm. is that we only give just a portion of ourselves. We only allow ourselves to be known a portion, like a fraction of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what's dangerous because. If I can operate at an arm's length and you still think I'm the same guy that you've always thought I was, that's really the problem. It's, but the problem is, the, the, the thing that needs to happen is like we all realize like people that you work with, I've, you know, I've had the, the luxury of interviewing about three or four people that you work with and mm-hmm. like we're people. We come from somewhere. Right. We are not always on, you know, we are fuck ups at times. We, oh, yeah. We're, we're flawed. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's a really hard thing to admit because why can't be a flawed to a customer? Well, no, of course, of course. But like behind, once the curtains are drawn, you have to be able to have like a way to just say like, dude, I feel really inadequate right now. You know, and that's like, that for guys, it's very common. We, we feel very <laughs> adequate or inadequate rather. But do you think that there are any outlets in the industry that make it easy to just somehow count, counsel ourselves? I mean, I think that's why we all seem to be uh, such close friends with each other and and date each other and marry each other and show up at each other's, you know, weddings, funerals, holidays. We're all funerals, weirdly. A dark place right there. I, but isn't it true, sure. though? You it's know? True, yeah. yeah. Um, I think going back to like sort of not. Not letting yourself show in front of of uh, guests and things like that, I think I'm a little bit different in that i do try to be as authentic as i can and i think that when people do get to know me that they're not necessarily surprised um whatever my my persona is when i'm 
when I'm behind the bar or when people are getting to know me, I try to be as authentic as I can. And especially in service, I really like to have um, a casualness about me. Yeah. And, and I like to have people feel like they can get to know me. Um, and I think you always put up a barrier because you, you open yourself up to anybody and there's definitely wolves that come into a bar oh, sure. that want to get to know you and, and want to take advantage They've of you. got motives. Right, exactly. So you, you keep your eyes out for that. But for the most part, I feel like a lot of the people who come and see me regularly see me because it's easy to become friends with me yeah. over a bar. And I really want to become friends with people who who have shared interest and, and who who need support and, and yeah. who I feel like can support me. So in terms of of sort of counseling each other, I don't think it's just bartender to bartender for me. I think I, de- I, I definitely get a solid amount of, of relationship between me and, and my guests as yeah. well. Well, it's good. I mean, I'm yeah. very glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, I just, you know, again, and we'll we'll go in a different direction. But, but <laughs> I'll, uh, we'll t- we'll touch back. We'll touch back because there's cool. Tobla and the Gourd, and you know, I think about how dark things become, and you know, you introduce personal relationships, how you're raised, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, like we're all. So I'll put it this way: we're all from a very real place. Absolutely. And sometimes we don't share that with each other, but it's important to. I think I completely agree. You know, because struggle is part of that narrative. Feeling inadequate is part of that narrative. Mm -hmm. Depression, sadness, all Mm -hmm. that is part of the narrative. So, but tell me, so you're good at school. Obviously, you've Mm -hmm. got part of like, you're you're intelligent, I can tell. So, (laughs) were you saying like, all right, I'm going to do this school thing. I'm going to do well at it. Yes, I may go in and out of some personal things I want to kind of dive into, whether it's dark places, light places. Was the college experience on your radar? Did you want to go do that whole thing? I did want to do that thing. Um, But there was, uh, it was a dichotomy. I I did want to do the whole college university and study math, and I wanted to study um, uh, like economics and and accounting and business, and I... I sort of had this idea of me being this like high powered businesswoman and Ooh, and like it was it was this cool it was a cool idea. Like it was a thought on the radar. Melanie Griffith and working girl. <laughs> that's sorry, that's where I go. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time though, um, music was such a such a huge influence to me. Really? From the time that I was little and I was performing at the the dining room for Bear Trail Lodge. Yeah. Um, up through St. Joe's, I was always a part of the choir. Um, I was always really involved in the music so programs. Vocals. I was always a vocalist. Did you also play accompaniment? Do you play guitar, piano, anything? No, like uh, no. My mother was a pianist. Really? So, um, like growing up, she would play and I would sing, and uh, and I never really picked up any other instruments. I I look back and I think it's probably because I, I just got so busy. Yeah. With my brother and with the family and and with school and life, right? That I I sort of decided not to not to pick up an instrument, and I almost feel like if I hadn't loved singing as much as I did, that I probably would have just put down music altogether. Really? But singing, I think, is one of those things is that when when you're kind of meant for it, you can't help it. It's always yeah. going to follow you around. It's always going to be a, a part mistress. of your life. Do you, oh, man. See, that's a, brilliant because that's exactly what it is. You can't turn your back to it. Yeah. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. tapping you on the back. It's like, dude, what are we going to do this thing? It's when are you going to do a record? When are you going to sing again? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what, what kinds of things? Were you... 
writing i imagine you were writing lyrics i was I'm yeah sure. it started it's, it would all started with poetry right like yeah. i wrote i wrote oh my god i wrote so much poetry when i was in that catholic school because oh, there was so much angsty like crazy yeah, stuff happening perfect, perfect oh my god of, yeah yeah no um <laughs> oh god i still <laughs> i still have an entire binder of like scribbling i kept everything dude i love it i kept it i kept all of my kept bullshit everything. white yep. guy being feeling repressed lyrics yeah what was there any common themes you think during that point like alienation or love lost or any of that um i think there was some love uh that that muddled in and out of it but it was it was definitely i was constantly trying to work with um understanding what my mom was going through yeah. and understanding why i was going through it yeah. and understanding um just depression in general and and anxiety and understanding responsibility and being this like confused girl who was like, why isn't anyone helping me more? Like, why is yeah. this all coming down on me? Like, I'm oh. not enough person for this. And I think that's what a lot of it was around. It's amazing. Yeah. So you now have this nice duality, right? <laughs> academically probably doing very well. You also have this kind of drive maybe to sing and to create as well. Yeah, my senior year in high school was awful because I was constantly battling with that. Really? is what what was I going to do, right? Because yeah. as the academic, everyone was putting this pressure on me of like, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to right. do this. Scholarship, you scholarship, get all this. right? Yeah, so I was constant. I was having to do all these things. I applied for some amazing schools. Um, and I feel like I was so close to pulling the trigger on it. And on the like, on the academic, the on, person, on, I'm going, academic, I'm going college. to university. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people wanted to hand out scholarships to a girl who like, A, had my story, right? Mm -hmm. And then like, B, I just, I had the grades for it and everything. Um, and then at the same time, there was I was living in northwestern Wisconsin, and I had seen so many movies, and I had listened to so much music that came from Seattle. Yeah. And I was like, I'm feeling you right there's now. There's something about <laughs> Seattle. Like, there's something about Seattle that just calls to me. Oh my gosh. And I, I I wrote a letter to my mom when I was a freshman in high school. Mm. It was in the form of a poem, but uh, it was it was a letter that said, "Hey mom, I made it to Seattle. Uh, I, I'm doing great." I'm loving the music scene. Um, I'm healthy. I'm yeah. safe. I can't wait to see you again, and I really love you. I mean, it was just this amazing poem that I wrote, and I wrote uh, it to her when I was a freshman, and she framed it, and she kept it, and she gave it back to me when amazing. I was, yeah, she gave it back to me after graduation. She said, look, you know all along. Because after graduation was when I decided two weeks after graduation that I wasn't going to I wasn't gonna go to university. I packed up a U-Haul, yeah. and uh, I was 17. I wasn't even 18 yet. And we got in Wisconsin what was called a redneck emancipation. Tell me Which, that. What, what the hell was that? A redneck emancipation. Yeah. It was, it was just like this, it was like this contract that my mom signed that we had notarized that said that um, I could sign contracts. And it wasn't it wasn't going to work. But yeah. like it, but you know, like if it went it to was, court, people it, would bug, bug you about it. Well, yeah. Like if I was really sly about it, people might think that it was official. <laughs> and so like they might let <laughs> well, me I've like sign contracts, lease man. and things let like that. Let me buy this car for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so you're drawn to Seattle. What, I, was drove, it? I drove to Seattle, yeah. For me, it was the music. What was it for you? Same. What was it about Seattle? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's rainy. It's gray. It's, it's a big city. Sardonic. It's rainy. It's gray, and it's amazing. Yeah. It had this culture. It had the ocean. Yeah. It had the mountains, uh, but it had music. And I mean, this is gonna be so cliche. No. Like, what? Tell me. Tell me what music it was drove you to. Well, I mean, it was Nirvana when the whole everything happened don't, you don't need to tell I, me about nirvana like as i shake as an old man like my finger, uh, my, my, my. That, <laughs> I, I just had this conversation on monday right yeah. so i'm at the i'm at a i'm out mm -hmm. i'm at a barbershop i get a 
straight razor shave shave for the first time in two and a half years it's very nude it's very kind of like uh it's rough right like i'm, I'm i don't have facial hair <laughs> i can't behind behind anything so he's playing never mind and so he stops at Polly, which is the mm-hmm. end of side one and i go up to him and i said hey you know side two is where all the magic is and he's like yeah i know i just wanted to play some sonic years i'm like all right i get it so suffice it to say Nirvana was for me and for you seemingly a very influential band, influential record, and it created this aesthetic that made us feel like, man, I could do that. I could wear a hoodie every day, and I yeah. could go be in the rain every day. Yeah, you know, and you did it though. And I, I did. Didn't do it. I, you yeah. did it. I did it. And I, it's honestly like looking back, it's it's the thing that I'm like, um, that I'm kind of most proud of that I did as as a kid. Really? Yeah. What did you want to do going out there? Do you have any idea? Yeah, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted yeah. to write songs. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to. I wanted to live this life. Um, the life. Get to know myself as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have any uh, inclination of of anything bar or anything related. I actually went out there. I was seventeen. Nobody would hire me for more than minimum wage. Yeah. Nobody would hire me for more than a part time gig, and I had to pay for rent. So I ended up having five jobs when I first moved out there. Do you like it? I loved it. I loved <laughs> it every minute question, of it. Because I knew, I'm sure. Of course, yeah. Of course. Yeah, of course. No, I loved it. It was the hardest, uh, the hardest first couple of years of my life. Yeah. Um, Did you move out there alone? I moved out there with these two guys from Wisconsin. Good friends or boyfriend or what? Uh, it was uh, my best friend from high school, his big brother. Oh, cool. Yeah, who I had actually dated for a short while. Yeah. Um, and then his best friend, Bill. So I was 17. They were both 24. Wow. And uh, so we all moved out there together. They lasted about three months that's it into our one-year lease on our three-bedroom apartment in oh bothell washington and they ran out of money and they had to pack up and go home and all of a sudden i had just turned 18 yeah. so i was finally able to sign a three-bedroom lease by myself in north uh, north seattle wow and so i had to take to craigslist and like find roommates and like that's where the adventure like really began it was then i'm like okay well now i'm like really <laughs> really on my own really began yeah, because I had no family and no oh, friends sure. down there. I you had nobody. You spend for yourself. Yeah, no. but I, I knew that I was supposed to be in Seattle. I knew it. Nobody was going to like how was take the that music, away from me. How was the music going? Were you writing more than normal? I was definitely writing more than normal. You meet yeah. the good people to collaborate with? I met a bunch of people to collaborate with, and yeah. I, I did some recording and stuff like that, and um, it was cool, but I feel like I also had to work so much that that's always been like the story of my music career is yeah. that I've just constantly been working and never had a chance to really focus on it. But, you know, I got as much as I needed to get by. And, like, it's, I, I was able to, like, quell that addiction. Yeah. Right? And so that was amazing. I actually ended up a couple of years in, I was working for a coffee house. Uh, and I met a guy named Cliff, mm-hmm. uh, who was one of my regulars. He met me on my very first day. And uh, two years later, I ended up, um, we became a couple. And... Two years later. Yeah. Do you get to, I mean, that's good because the dating is just working together, right? What's that now? It, it was, <laughs> you get to kind of like know him and like. Uh, it was actually, we, we didn't know each other for the entire two years. Oh, really? Anything. Yeah. Like we had lost contact. So no shit. Yeah. It was, so that's, what, oh, God. Reco- oh, we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> no, Cliff, Cliff to this day is one of my best friends. But yeah. uh, he met me when I was still, yeah, I was eight, 18 or 19. And uh, probably 18. He was 12 years older than me. So he was 30. 30, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he said he he said he knew that I was going to be his from the day he saw me. Did he Some cheesy mates? line like that. Well, that's not so bad. I thought he was creepy as hell. <laughs> 
I was like, this is never going to work. Did he have work. a mustache or something? Like, I don't oh, even, his hands are really yeah, bony. He didn't know. have a mustache or anything. He didn't have any facial hair, but he was dark. He had these like dark hair, dark eyes. He was yeah. actually Swedish. But he just had this like sort of like hyper confidence about him. Yeah. And I was like, eh, you know, I'm a, I'm a grown ass woman. Like I can whatever. Right. I didn't want to be bossed around. Yeah. And so he tried to ask me out a few times and uh, we went on like a date or two together. And I was like, ah, this isn't for me. I ended up quitting uh, the coffee shop and I fell into a few more jobs. And then we ended up randomly bumping into each other again, mm-hmm. like two years later. Um, and what was like, oh God, those first five years for me in Seattle, every year that passed by felt like a different lifetime. Like I just went through so many crazy experiences, yeah. so many crazy jobs, so many crazy relationships that by the time Cliff and I finally sort of like met up again. After two years. Right? After two years, yeah. yeah, it was two or three years. Um, Cause I had already been, yeah, it was two or three years after I had moved to Seattle that we started dating and he wanted me to come in and help him run his company. He, what was he, doing? he was a one man uh, break fix IT shop. Oh, so yeah, so he was fixing computers and uh, I was working in a marketing firm, like just doing like like promo kind of stuff for like Starbucks and yeah. Jones Soda. I was a mm. promo girl essentially, yeah. Yeah, wow. And so he said, yeah, like come in and help me sort of get my company off the ground and uh, he said, and I'll, I'll help you like pay for your college and everything not pay for my college but he's like he's like come and live with me and you can go to college and we can work on the company together since we're in a relationship anyway yeah. it was this weird like does very... that i mean i'm not i don't want to be judgmental no, no, i hardly no. ever am it sounds slightly creepyish, doesn't it i did but we had we had been talking um for like a long time and yeah. we fell in love really fast so and so love we, erases all of it lo- yeah i mean i, th- you know, I feel like I that i love you man you know it's good we're in love and yeah i'll do what it takes to make the well and we had we had like a lot of chemistry that that made it really comfortable between us like right away good and so it was a really good, it was it a really good like partnership it was for right off the bat it, was, it creeped me out but yeah, exactly. i feel like the, the things that i learned in the two years after that yeah the things that i kind of learned about my personality and i think he probably changed a little bit or or we just realized that two years later we were yeah. like wow like we are really good together like we wow. have a lot of stuff in common we are really productive together we get along uh really well mm. and so we were together for five years and we wow. we built up a company yeah we essentially married right like we live well, together law, right? common law. exactly common, it's yeah. common law in washington and you were are we talking 1920 mm. at this point like when you guys first met yeah yeah something like that yeah into your mid-20s so yeah by the time we divorced i was 24 25 yeah um but You're we built 29 i i will be 29 i'm gonna hang on to 28 Sorry, i'm just keeping adding ages because it makes me feel more comfortable That'd be great. <laughs> uh yeah no we built up a company um an it company together called blue frog Okay. And by the time I left, I think we had like six employees, and we yeah we were doing really really well. Um, but so what yeah what happened to spill you out into out of the, the relationship and push you to what I think was Austin next maybe it was bartending next ah yeah because five years into it he and I um, decided that we didn't want to keep doing it anymore because yeah. I think the business or the relationship. Mostly the relationship because yeah. the relationship had become so secondary to the business. Interesting. And the business started growing so much so and I had put in so much into it um, and he had put in so much into it that we both felt like we were uh, leaders in the company but we didn't necessarily see it going in the same direction. I see. And I said, you know what? Look, I'm 24, 20, whatever. Yeah. And I said, this was your company to start with. I want you to have it because IT isn't what I want to do. Right. 
I loved running that company. And I, I feel like I built a lot of it from mm. the bottom up. And he says that too. And I think it's really sweet. That was my college. I mean, I went to college for two years in Bellevue um, while we were building up. But in, in the yeah, end, in the end, building a, a Blue Frog was, oh, that was my business school. Putting your school. nose to the ground and making shit work. That's it was amazing. That's a real degree. Yeah. I, wrote, I wrote the entire accounting system by hand, um, all using like, you know, spreadsheets. And, yeah. and eventually I uh, wrote the sales program. I wrote all the HR I wrote the entire administration, and so, so that's. I mean, that's it's an amazing set of pedigree. Just, just like so now, walking away from it, mm-hmm. saying like, well, our our personal relationship obviously is taking backburn to this business, which mm-hmm. happens with a lot of people. Yeah. So you have a lot of things you've created, a lot of things you've learned. Mm-hmm. What's like you you talk about bartending, but were you thinking about going to get a more like high profile gig? No, and it's because when I left. Um, I, I didn't just leave it all. I, I sold the, my half back to him uh, and he insisted on that. And wow. so, um, I, I mean, I won't say what the number was, no, but like sure. he, he like it was some amount of money. It was some that's... amount that made it comfortable for me to say, what do I really want to do? Yeah. And this is going to help me do that. Amazing. And I turned to bartending and I said, I said, look at what they're doing in downtown. Like I wanted and it wasn't even craft at this point. It was just hanging out at this bar called J&M Cafe in like Pioneer Square. Mm-hmm. It was, you're going to love this because it totally goes back to Nirvana. It's where, <laughs> it's, it's where Nirvana played. Um, right behind the J&M Cafe was an apartment um, in the OK Hotel. Really? Which was where Singles was filmed. <gasps> yeah. Told you, told you, told you I was going to blow your mind. <laughs> told you. So amazing, I found amazing. I found a studio apartment in the OK Hotel. Yeah. And uh, I sat at the bar at the J&M Cafe for three weeks uh, with my resume in my hand and oh, get ready to gasp again. No, please. Matt, Dam- or Matt Dillon show up? No, I, I <laughs> was insistent that I was going to get a bartending job because I had gone onto Groupon and I had a two-week bartending academy under my belt. Bartender's Academy. Oh, yeah. Everybody. I, I had wow. all, all the tools that I needed to walk in and be a yeah. badass. And I totally knew that wasn't the way it was going to work. But I'd gone through this bartending like school thing. And I was like, yeah, like this seems really cool. I was really fast at it. I really had a good time. I yeah. loved everybody that I like went to this little school with. Um, and I, I just knew that I had so much fun doing this and that I could see myself doing this. And I, it felt like a, a performer again. And it felt like everything that I wanted. Mm. And so I walked in and I sat at the bar at the J&M for three weeks every single day. And I wanted to see the manager. And every single day... The bartender was like, let me see if he's available. <laughs> and I kept getting blown off, kept getting blown off. And finally, one day he was walking out and I said, you're Chris, right? Chris Heisey? He goes, yeah, who's asking? And I was like, my name's Ashley Hauserman. I've been sitting down here every day for the last three weeks. All I want to do is talk to you. I really want to work in this bar. I live right behind the bar. My yeah. commute is terrible. All I have to do is walk across the alley. Will you please let me work here? And, uh, and he goes, well, I have a Seahawks game tomorrow. And we were th- like three blocks from Seahawks Stadium. Amazing. And he goes, one of the busters just called out. He said, you can come in and bust the floor. And if you don't run away screaming, I, I might have you come back for a day too. Not bad. Yeah. So I was like 24, 25 and uh, 24. And I the next day I came back at like eight o'clock in the morning for a Seahawks game. And I bust the whole restaurant through like an intense, crazy day. I had no idea that bars got that busy. (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy. But um, I mean, I I stuck it out. Drama during a Seahawks game. Oh, imagine. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Don't even get me started. But yeah, Um, uh, I pulled it off the first day. I was a good busser. I was a good little bus girl. So what do you uh, say? 
And he said, yeah, I'll hire you on as a server. Amazing. Hired me on as a server. At um, JM. At the JM Cafe in downtown wow. Seattle. I was a server for like six months. And then I said, you know, all I really want to do is be in the, I guess it was more than six months. I was probably close to a year. Yeah. But um, I said, yeah, like I want to start helping out from behind the bar. I knew that some of the bartenders were leaving. I said, please, I want to get trained in. There was a girl, Chelsea Bain, who works in Boston now. Mm-hmm. She used to work in the service well. And she, uh, most badass, most badass B I've ever met. Super, uh, like, <laughs> she ran the service well. I mean, she was naturally kind of a bitch, but I loved it. And uh, she's the one who first taught me how to bartend. And uh, I loved it. I was, I was her bar back. Mentorship, maybe? She was a fantastic mentor. Yeah. And then as she was leaving, um, this guy came in named Brian Delgado. Sounds and familiar. He is familiar. Yeah. I'll tell you how. <laughs> so Brian Delgado came in, and he and I became really fast friends, and I saw that he was into this craft thing. Yeah. He does this craft bartending Quote, unquote. Thing. There's air quotes for me. Air quotes. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 But, but um, <laughs> it was really funny because I had just picked up a book. I just picked up the the PDT book. Uh, and I had no idea what PDT was, but I saw the book and I saw the cocktails and I was like, this looks cool. And uh, and I started reading through it and I brought it to work one day and he goes, what do you got there? And I showed him and he goes, okay, I know, I know what to do. <laughs> We're with, cool. I know We're what cool. to do yeah, with you. Yeah. And so, yeah, he started to teach me how to really bartend. Um, not really bartend, but how to bartend in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, and so we bartended together for a while. I ended up moving to um, to another bar, uh, similar to the J&M. It, mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't a craft bar at all. He ended up moving to Austin, Texas. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Delgado, you said. Delgado. And so we stayed in contact a little bit. Is I bartended st- a few more places. Is he still here? But he's still here. Whoa. And I'll tell you what, he's yeah. uh, half of the reason I decided to, to move down here. What was the other half? A split of a lot of other bunch of reasons. <laughs> but for the most part, I was between jobs in Seattle. And yeah. I'd, I'd been there for 10 years. And I knew that. Ten, I, that's incredible. Yeah. You spent that much time. Yeah, yeah, 10 years in Seattle. And I decided I needed to see. I was I was so in love with Seattle that I knew that it was unfair for me to never see any other city. Yeah. So I had to go out and see what else there was. And so Brian said, come down to Austin. I had another friend who offered me his couch for two months. Mm-hmm. And so all of the. All of the stars aligned, and it just so happened that it was going to be really easy for me to move down here. What year are we talking when he came down? When I came down? Yeah. It's 2016, so this was 2014. Oh, shit. Pretty recently. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 2014. This Time was... goes 2x tw- for me, by the way. <laughs> Since now I'm getting closer to 40, it's like 2x. Oh, for... no. Oh, no. Don't tell me that. I want to I want to make it last. Hey, man. Einstein had a, he had a point with the relativity thing. He must have, eh? He must have. So, um, yeah, so I moved down here uh, at the end of January in 2014, and I had never worked in a craft bar before, and I had this resume, and I uh, I sat down at Halcyon, ah, yeah. and I met this kid named Joey, okay. who uh, actually works with me now at Roosevelt, but he was oh, like shit. one of my very first friends here, and uh, I eventually got a call from Chauncey James, uh-huh. and he said, hey, like, I'm opening this bar garage. I saw that you, like, applied on Poached. He goes, it's obvious that you don't really have a lot of experience, but um, like, tell me about some of your favorite bars in Seattle. Yeah. And at that point, I had been to a lot of craft bars because Brian and I had become friends and he showed me this kind of whole new world. Uh, and I said, okay, look, I love Canon. Uh, yeah. Jamie Boudreaux was amazing. Of he was course, fantastic. Yeah. Jim Romdahl was uh, fantastic to watch. He had Vessel at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Friedman, I said, Liberty, he's, right? he's the owner of Liberty. Yeah. Liberty was a mini- an amazing bar, a new opt- um, Opti owned uh, Rob Roy, and uh, I think she's married to Chris Alford now, who was working at Canon at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
So you know, you know. I had just, I had just met all these it. people. Like you knew it. Yeah, like I, I Chauncey's kind of like running me through the gauntlet. So like, okay, yeah, exactly. What do, what do you know? Exactly. Right. And you knew. and so and so Chauncey asked me a couple of those questions, and I said, look, like I give me a chance, like I can do this, right? Yeah. And so he hired me on to be one of the first four uh, principal bartenders at right. at Garage. No shit. Yeah, I was I the I was the it. only female that he hired to open Garage, really? and I was the only female that worked there for a long time. Wow. Yeah. And then the other person that got hired to be a principal was Brian Delgado. So he and I opened Garage together. Man, it's almost too close for comfort. (laughs) You know, like you show up, it's been 10 years since you've seen anybody. You come back to the stage, you're in a daze, and like all of a sudden you go, you're working alongside a good friend. I mean, yeah, Brian and Brian will forever be be one of my very best friends. Yeah. Very best friends. That's so cool. How was the experience at Garage? Amazing, well, life changing. Yeah. I I owe Chauncey so much, so much. Um, uh, my loyalty to him was is going to be forever. I think. Yeah. And uh, uh, he taught me he taught me so much about the industry and about how to bartend and about how to run a program, and about how to work with people and about how to stay authentic. Yeah. Because everybody knows Chauncey and everybody knows Chauncey's personality, and yeah. nobody's ever been like. Yeah, that's what he's like when he's bartending. But when he's not bartending, no, he's the same person no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I wanted to take that and 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 be that person. So and was, so was the next move Roswell Room. Uh, the next move was actually Travis Tober. Uh, hired Wait, hired me I to misconstrue. Oh yeah, right. At thanks. Bo- at Vox, uh, right? Oh yeah. no, at no. Vox because the one. T- so I've been in there a couple times. So Vox the table. First time yeah. I went. So and, and maybe and I expect that no one knows who I am. <laughs> love it and I don't want anybody to know it'll be but a little secret <laughs> I went in mm-hmm. and I met JR yeah which was loved getting to know JR and I, I, I will never forget him. him far I didn't <laughs> way near enough um, but we're going to we're going to rectify that talking about <laughs> Bruce Willis and action yes. movies and shit so but I remember I met him he's like oh this guy's really great Travis was obviously running the floor and the beverage program but you mm-hmm. came in I was there and you yep. came in and I was can't even remember why I was there. I was meeting a friend there, and so that's <laughs> that's right. We I yeah. whether or not we remember, but like I remember I met you that night, and you guys were doing the kind of weighed out old fashioned. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. which was like a, kind of a kitschy but but like cute kind of concept. It was, it was something that it took me a while to like wrap my head around. Yeah. It certainly wasn't something that I created or, or that I was a part of yeah. figuring out. But I'm glad that I got to see how it works now. Yeah, yeah that was something. Was that was something that brilliant. Tober that Tober and Jr. had seen, and they wanted to. To have something like that in the bar. How was that experience over there? At at uh, Vox Box, Table. Yeah. So I had never worked in a restaurant like that that had that sort of dual, like interesting bar program and yeah, like amazing and food. Really good food. Yeah. The so I I had coming from Garage. It was such a small program, mm. and there was only four of us, and we were the most important people in the restaurant or in in the bar, right? Sure. Sure. We were well, not whatever. No, but, I, no, I get it. But we were the four who were always like there the most, and the bar backs, and the management, and the ownership, and everything, and. um so moving into a restaurant was so different because we weren't the star. Like yeah. we weren't the first priority. Right. And and bartending You're a means for, to an end. Right. Like they're and waiting for dinner. Like exactly. you guys drinks until they get those things they really want. Right. The fun thing about Vox is that I think it fights that and it wins it. Mm. Because a lot of people do show up and they're like, wait a second, like mm-hmm. this food is great, but these cocktails and I, it's working for JR was very different too because JR is so creative and he has so mm-hmm. many amazing ideas and such a process for creating cocktails that working there, I got to immediately compare Chauncey and JR and their styles and the fact yeah. that they were so different 
Wisconsinite um, versus Texanite. Yeah, and I, I learned so much um, just from comparing the two. And uh, Tober is just a force to be reckoned with, you know. <laughs> and so working for him was really, really great. Uh, I just his personality is is um, is so big and I, and so like and so likable. He's the. So, <laughs> I've never said this before, but I think he's the Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> so for anybody that's like really in deep into film, he is the Ernest Borgnine nice. of the, the industry. Nice. He's he's commanding, mm-hmm. a big personality, and everybody loves him. And you never can turn your back on Ernest Borgnine. And you'll never ever. and you'll never forget him. No, you never will. It's yeah. like something about that guy. I really, really like that guy. Yeah. So we got Vox. All right. So let's use Vox. this as a punctuation since you brought this massive bottle of Tobala because you just got back from Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. You're saying it's 49% or so it and is. I've got a gourd and I'm going to stretch this gourd container out here. <laughs> You're so very welcome. All right. So you got this bottle. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this bottle? I know we just opened it together which is we cool. I'm very, very, I'm, thank you so much for sharing with me. Absolutely. What do you think? Um, so when I was down there during this last day of, of buying from the small villages, yeah. uh, I didn't really have a strategy of what I was going to buy when I was down there. <laughs> you got to have a I strategy, just, I found out, yeah. I, you kind of have to a yes, little bit, yes. and I realized that I had a strategy only after I executed it. Um, but at every uh, spot that I went to, I bought, you know, one, two, or three bottles. Yeah. And uh, and by the time I got home, I was like, oh, look, I got... Two Tobolot, two Espadine, and two Madre Quiche from all different yeah uh, from all different spots, and uh, the Madre Quiche was probably my favorite agave that, like I, the that I tasted. The muskiness of it, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, but yeah, the Tobola is something that I've always liked. Yeah, uh, and seeing them grow wild and, and like on the <laughs> on the rocks was oh man, everything was so magical. Same. The entire trip. I uh, I'm excited to go back because yeah. I felt like uh, even though I knew quite a bit about mezcal and I, not quite a bit even though I knew a, a little about mezcal and I knew things that I liked and things that I didn't and I understood how the palenques worked um, I still feel like now that I've gone through it once that was like my 101 right like when I go back and I and I intend to within the year yeah and I intend to within the year um, it's definitely going to be where I really get to get deep into like my tasting notes yeah. And really, sort of understand the nuances. It's and it's, so it's lovely that all of us Westerners are going, and I think we get to be exposed to varietals and to bottles that we never would have otherwise, and that's all amazing. And it's good because honestly, unfortunately, it takes us Westerners to make more of a movement for Oaxaca. And our dollars are powerful; they're yeah. very powerful, and that's yeah. what that's our seat at the table. Mm-hmm. any of us right that we're gonna oh no we'll put money into it you know because for them it's just they're doing what they know how to do right they've done it for so long. what they've been doing for for a century right yeah. and so what do you th- this is a copper tobala or clay tobala this is the part where i remind you that it was my third day <laughs> um visiting palenques so it tastes and- very tight and very very unctuous and very very delicious i'm just gonna guess that it's copper but i, I have don't a feeling know it's that. copper as well because it doesn't have the there's no sulfides in it. Right. Or, or rather, yeah, right, right, right. which is one of the things that copper pulls out. But coming back, you change your view on spirits. Is it different now? I mean, Mezcal is so special because 
of how different it all is and how much of the family, um, their their traditions and their heritage you taste in every bottle of it. Mm -hmm. That for me right now, having just gone through this, this, you know, this 101, I'm, I'm just exploring my love for it and I'm just exploring my taste and, and, and the, how fascinated I am by by the different things that I'm tasting and the different things that I'm seeing mm-hmm. that I just kind of want to I, I want to take it full advantage of this level of my mezcal of, of my mezcal love affair um, but it's it's definitely having been there and seen it and felt it and felt the heat and have having to wash the the soil off my skin yeah. and changes the whole thing. it changes everything it changes what you taste it changes how it's you look at the bottle memory, the smells and all that yeah um, standing in front of the stills and feeling the sweat beat off of my skin yeah. and, and smelling it and smelling the agave and tasting it and, uh, and, and eating the, the sugary fruit, yeah. um, you know, like straight out of the, out of the Molino. Yeah. Um, it, it's all, it's, it, I feel like there's nothing like it. I feel it. like you're writing lyrics right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so poetic. So we both know. You're doing a wonderful job at the Roosevelt Room. You're making great cocktails over there. You Thank work you. for two of the brainiest fucking guys, Justin and Dad. I work for two madmen. I work they, for two complete madmen. They're yeah. so they're so amazing. I yeah. can't believe I got the opportunity. Um and did you uh was it just like an open application process? Did you know them personally or how'd you end up getting heading over there? So I was still working at Garage and Vox at the same time. So I was doing double duty and uh I think I was I was trying to work my way out of garage. Um, I'm not entirely like looking back. I'm not entirely sure why. I think a lot of times when when you're in the mindset that I am, in that I just really want to learn a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like I try to I try to write more chapters. And so, not that I had learned everything I needed to learn at garage, but I felt like I had learned a lot, and I wanted to pick up a new a new chapter. Yeah. And so I ended my time at garage, and uh, and. I was working at Vox, but I think working working any one job, unless you're working like a solid like four to five days a week, uh, you want to pick up more than one because you want to see more walls and you want to make a good amount of money Push and yourself. things like that. Yeah. And so uh, I knew that the Roosevelt Room was opening soon because they were so close to Garage. They came in all the time. I saw Justin and Dennis. We were friends. Yeah. I had known Alex Schumacher because we had um, like ran into people. He had actually... Yeah, we we had been friends for a while. Really, he he had worked at Eastside Showroom. Darkest beard ever of anybody. Very dark, I feel sexy like beard. I can't get he's too my close work. To it. He's my work husband. He's very cute. <laughs> I um, like. He's so smart. He's so like, smart. What's not to like? I, I he's would, so funny. I would date him. And you know, and he gives amazing high fives. Yeah, but but I don't know. I think that he and I have probably the world's best high five. Yeah. And I'm not even I'm not even mad to say that. I'm not going to challenge I'm, it. And I'm, I'm totally not going to try to recreate. Because he's about a foot taller than me. He's he's a solid amount taller than me too, but it's it, when you have that high five chemistry, you just yeah. have it. No, yeah, you don't want to disrupt it. <laughs> so you guys, you, so we we yeah we had known each stuff. other ahead of time, um yeah, and so they've been coming into garage. I had been watching the development, and then uh, last minute, I think uh, Justin or Dennis had either posted something or they reached out to me, and uh, and I responded and I said, hey, like if you guys have a minute, I'd love to talk to you and see if there's a place for me here. Uh, and I think Justin got back to me within the hour and he goes, you were exactly who I wanted to talk to. Amazing. And it was really, I was like, no, no, no. He goes, yeah, you know, you had worked with, I had worked with Carolyn Gill yeah. who works at Firehouse. She was mm-hmm. the only other female bartender at Garage. 
Um, her and I had worked together there for a few months. It turns out she was going over there oh, cool. uh, for a temporary stint while they were opening. And he said, you know, I know you two have already worked together. You guys are an amazing team. I want to see you come over here as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so he hired me on to be the, um, what, the third or fourth bartender there. Yeah. yeah. It's it's an amazing place. You've made me personally some amazing cocktails. <laughs> um, they've done a wonderful job with it, and it's been brilliant to see Justin and Dennis both get the money and but do good things with it and mm-hmm. keep con- continually expand and all of that and i you know i say this a lot maybe it's a phrase that i say but i cannot wait to see what happens with justin Abs- absolutely and dennis and dennis even if he doesn't get back to me often <laughs> when he does get back to me it's very meaningful so he's a yeah. very good guy justin as well but the thing is from what i understand you're leaving i am leaving new york i am yeah, yeah. When's that happening? Uh, in two weeks. Two weeks. Actually, in less than two weeks. What's what is today the twentieth? And I I leave I leave yeah. on the third. Really? Yeah. Uh, I've I've been in Austin for two years. Right. And uh, when I left Seattle, I said, you know what? I want to see, I want to see other cities. Yeah. And so I feel like two years, I've learned so much and I've met so many amazing people that I'm ready for the next next chapter. Um, is love for the taking next step. you to another city again? Love is not taking me to another city. Opportunity, then. Opportunity, yeah. Do you want yeah. to be in this? Do you, do you still want to do this there? Uh, so if we're talking about love, that's definitely the love that's <laughs> taking me there. Yeah, well, I. No, you want to do love everywhere, but I mean, in terms, <laughs> in terms of it's definitely for bartending, without a doubt. This I'm I'm a lifer. This is what I do. This is what I chose, um, and I, I'll never look back. Yeah, I love this. Um, I love bars. Um, and I love bartending because I feel like for me, it's it's so natural mm-hmm. for me to walk into a bar and and create or be a part of a chemistry of a social chemistry yeah. or or understand the operations and see how it works from the minute we open to the minute we close, and to see how many people walk away happy or with an amazing memory or ready to come back yeah. and and to make someone's day a little bit brighter or to make a good impression for someone for someone else um at that that's so what i want to do yeah. that's what i want to do so what do you so you, you'll head to new york here in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks obviously you'll do you'll do good work out there where does this all end up for you are you going to write a book which i think would be a very very <laughs> apt opportunity like where do you want to be you know where's this all adding up to my end all be all um i'm such an operations oriented person that i'm yeah. i'm definitely going to own my own place uh i'd like to be a part of a group where i get to own a couple of places yeah. and i get to be as many people as i can be but uh, yeah, the end all be all is that I wanna I wanna have sort of full control over something, yeah. and really put my own um, standards and and my own specifications on something, and make something really really amazing. In the meantime, uh, I think I'm probably gonna hit up New York and maybe another two cities, uh, and I'm actually working on a website right now. What's to the start nature, to, the nature to, of the website? Actually. Well, I mean, it's it's. I think it's pretty selfish, actually. It's going to be for me to like keep. So I talked about being a super academic and being sure. super studious. 
So it I want never wanna, goes away. It never try goes. To, it never goes away. away and so I love the idea of having my own sort of catch-all, like my own sort of wiki for yeah. like all of the things that I learn, all the adventures that I go on, and then I want to start writing articles, um, if only for my own personal use, uh, but just to start formulating because I I do want to start consulting pretty soon. Yeah, I think it's a natural step for me, and I think this is a good way for me to to move into that. Um, especially like if someone wants to go on my website and be like, all right, like I, I think we're going to hire her to take this bar to the next level. Then mm. I can just be like, well, check out this website. This is what I have to say. This is my style. Like read this. Tell me if you know, you want to pay me for this. So <laughs> in the end, I mean, it's still business, right? So yeah. Don't ever do stuff for free. Unless right. You, it really means it. And right. it's for something really, really important. If you do it for free, then uh, then you you can't really be doing it for free. It has to be for your own self. I, know, value, I feel so right? bad for saying that. You know, it's like, well, so my my friend's shooting a movie here in town. He's like, hey, can you do multi track stuff off the board? And he's like, I'll pay you fifty bucks. And I'm like, for how many hours of work? Because <laughs> that's not worth. Sorry, but it's not like worth that. I'm not not worth. You have value work. though. Yeah, dude. Well, I guess I've got I got something. I'm older. Your time is worth something. It's worth more than fifty bucks. There you go. Sorry. Maybe I'm arrogant. Maybe <laughs> I'm, I don't care. But it changes, and we have these culmination of experiences. Yeah, and they do become valuable. In some Absolutely. Point, you know? And so you can never discount that. And that's something that is really important to note: that never dilute your knowledge and never value it less than it is, because right. it took a long time to get. At the, at the exact same time, and I feel like this is something that I see in my industry a lot, is where people overvalue themselves sometimes. Oh, well, sure. And they, yeah. get, and they get overconfident, and that's something that I personally feel like I try to fight a lot. And yeah, that, like, well, Justin Elliott charges a, a premium hourly because that mustache. Because <laughs> he, like, he took certain kinds of vitamins and stuff to make it grow, you know? So, he's, got, he's got to get paid for that mustache. Yeah, he's got to get paid for it. Got to get paid for it. God, he's, got, he's in the whole panel for those vitamins and the, the mustache growth hormones and shit. But talk about return on investment. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's Lord. Really, it's really good. <laughs> well, I hope that, I hope that, you know, in five years, 10 years, maybe I'm still alive. Maybe this is still going. Maybe I'm still talking to people. The five years, I think, is feasible. Maybe 10 might, might be out of the reach. But I think you're going to do amazing <laughs> work in New York. Oh, wait, you think I'm going to be alive in 10 years? Yeah, well, certainly you're going to be alive. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about the 10-year plan. I'm like, well, I'll be 46. <laughs> Is Josh Brolin still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. Uh, who died? James Dean died in his 20s. I don't know. I'm not comparing myself, but sometimes it becomes something that's like, maybe, um, am I really cut out for this? <laughs> am I really cut out for my late 40s? Is anybody really cut out? Oh, but, man. I really appreciate you sharing the mescal. That Absolutely. Is really brilliant at 49%, seemingly copper, very rich. It is uh, an inspiration and a point of inspiration as you got back from Oaxaca. And you're heading to New York. And I hope, man, I hope you keep me updated. Let me know what's going on. Happy to. You know? Happy to. I'm excited for my debaucherous weekends back in Texas. Yeah. So. Lots still... of meat and booze. Lots of meat and booze. Yeah. And... Just what regularly happens in people in DFW. so but it's been brilliant getting to know you it's been brilliant getting to hear the journey too so actually i really thank you for chatting with me thank you so much for inviting me my pleasure
So there we have it. This is a real chat. I mean, we're talking about alcoholism. We're talking about substance abuse. We're talking about love. We're talking about dysfunction. All these different things. I mean, it's a very, very compelling narrative and a very interesting voyage for Ashley so far. I hope you guys enjoyed this chat. I mean, it's very revealing. You know, it's honest. People are exposing themselves and really talking about things that sometimes we don't get to talk about from across the bar, both sides. So it's great to see that Ashley is yet expanding her horizons even further and heading out to New York City. I suspect that when this episode drops this Monday that she will just have arrived fresh off the boat, so to speak, and it's going to be great to see what she accomplishes there. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V. And no matter what kinds of Canadian provinces you're trying to study up on, how you feel about capitalism, or if you really think that Donald Trump's pandering to the Hispanic culture by eating a taco salad, please keep dancing.